2 Kings chapter 6. It's amazing how I believe the Holy Spirit puts things together. And, and I could say a lot more in my message, but there's so much that the Holy Spirit has already spoken through song, through word, through prophecy, through word of wisdom. Even what Nick just said is so much on my heart today through the message. And so the Holy Spirit's already spoken so much. And, and I just want to kind of put an amen on a few things. Today, I want to I give you a message called Four Lepers with a Life Wish. Wes, could you help me out and bring that up? I appreciate it. Four Lepers with a Life Wish. A leper. What's a leper? A leper was someone who had a skin disease. It was on his skin or on her skin, and it was outward. How many of you know sometimes it's easier to deal (coughs) with someone who kind of presents themselves with their issues than it is with someone who keeps it held in? A leper was someone who couldn't keep his disease inside and keep it hidden. It was on the outside. And those with leprosy were kicked out of their homes. They were removed from their towns and their cities for fear that that leprosy would come on someone else. Nobody wanted to touch them. Nobody wanted to hug them. Nobody wanted to say, praise the Lord, brother, sister, because they didn't want to contract that disease. But there's something in these four lepers out of 2 Kings chapter 6 that I believe we can learn a couple of lessons from. Are you ready? Amen for that one. Amen. Are the rest of you ready? All right. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. It says, Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted <coughs> so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. Now let me ask you a question. Who in their right mind would want to buy a donkey's head? (laughs) Can I tell you? Somebody who's really, really hungry. eh? Somebody who's really hungry. I mean, at this point in life, they were very, very hungry. My mom would tell us of stories of the Great Depression and how that they worked so very hard. I don't want to offend anybody, especially on Facebook. That would be awful, right? But I really don't want to offend anybody. But my mom was a cotton picker. I know I just offended somebody. My mom was a cotton picker. At the age of five, she would go out with her family to the cotton fields and pick cotton at the age of five to help the family eat. Somebody says, oh, that's awful, a five-year-old working. Oh, I don't have time. Anyway, a five-year-old, you know, get out there, you know, helping the family. Listen, when you're hungry, you'll do a lot more than if you're, if you're not hungry. If you're full, you're like, hey, I got the choice of the buffet. But when there's no buffet, you'll eat whatever's set before you. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. During the time of Elisha's ministry, the reason that, that Samaria, Israel's city, was under siege was, or because they were having a famine, it's because they were under siege, and the Armenians were coming against them. 
And during this time, the desperation was so great that not only would they eat a donkey's head, but literally mothers would take their babies, if you were to keep reading, they took their babies and they ate them. They became cannibals just to survive. People were doing what was right in their own eyes. Can I just say this? We may not be experiencing a famine of food in America and in our world in many places, but can I tell you, we are experiencing evil people doing evil things. We are sacrificing our children on the altar of convenience. And people are saying, oh, we, we can't talk about that. Christians shouldn't talk about New York and what just happened there and, and this and that. Can I tell you, we are offering our children on the God of Molech's altar again. How can we look at the Old Testament and say, oh, how terrible when we are allowing the same thing as law of our lands? We must have compassion for those who are starving to death. I'm not blaming every person who's going into this because I also blame the leadership of the land of Samaria who was allowing such things. But we have another choice. We can choose to cry out. We can choose to condemn or we can choose to say there's another way. I recently read something, and my wife was reading something, she told me about it, that someone was saying, well, you know, if you're not fostering and if you're not adopting, then you don't have any voice. Let me tell you what. I fostered 21 kids. I've adopted four. I got a voice. But can I tell you, you don't have to have fostered and adopted to have a voice. God has given you a voice, and it's time to use that voice. It's time to cry aloud, and it's time to cry aloud with compassion, with love, but it's also time to speak the truth. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now let's get back to the story. The king of Israel, instead of crying out to God, sought to kill the prophet of God. In 2 Kings chapter 6, continuing in verse 32, it says, Now Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. I I don't know about you, but that just strikes me as interesting. Everybody else is going crazy in the city, starving to death. And where do you find the prophet of God? Where do you find the elders? Those are people who were serving God and leading others. Where do you find the elders and the prophet sitting in his house? He wasn't running around like a crazed lunatic because of the famine. He wasn't running around yelling out, saying, ah, what was he doing? He was sitting calmly in his house. How many know we can sit calmly in the storm? Hallelujah. We can be like Jesus at the stern of the boat instead of the disciples screaming their heads off. Hallelujah. But how many of you know even if you're screaming your head off, sometimes God will hear you? Oh, again, I don't have time. The king sent a messenger ahead. But before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it shut against them. Is not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him? While he was still talking to him, the messenger came down. And the king said, This disaster is from the Lord. Why should we wait any longer for the Lord? Can I tell you, during times of great distress... 
It's easy to blame the Lord for the disaster. Hello? Come on, has anybody ever been here? Am I just speaking to a crowd? Come on, have you ever been to that place where it didn't seem to understand, you didn't seem to understand and you began to blame the Lord? I mean, you know, it wasn't like pointing your finger at God, but you wanted to. God, what is going on? Why is this happening? We blame the Lord for the disaster. And then the second part of that is we rush out and do something on our own. God, you're not, you're not taking care of this. So since you're not taking care of this, I know you're on the throne and all, but let me go ahead and take care of this. Ooh, am I speaking to anybody today? We take matters into our own hands to try and fix what we thought God doesn't care about. Let me say it again. We take matters into our own hands to fix what we think God doesn't care about. Can I tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God cares. And he's already doing something about it. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This goes right into what the Lord spoke through Nick a minute ago. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those, come on somebody, say, but those. But those those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Yeah, I love having my father-in-law and mother-in-law in my house and praying that they'll be in there a lot more soon. I love having them in our house. And one of the things we were doing, we were talking about, uh, Emily saw an old revival video from many years ago at her school, ORU. And she said their president was showing it to them in a class. And we said, her mom said, I think I was at that service. <laughs> but, but as this revivalist was preaching the word of God, all of a sudden as he's ministering, we started watching these videos. One guy got up and he just jumped up. He was on the ground and he jumped up and he began to run around the church. He said, oh, we got a runner. Anybody ever seen that? Maybe, maybe I'm the only old Pentecostal in the place. But anybody ever seen that? Somebody running, right? And, and one of my kids said, why is he running? <laughs> I just told you. They shall run and not be weary. Can I just tell you, sometimes things happen to us that are a precursor to what God wants to do in us. Oh, I wish I had time to hunt that dog. The king, the king, listen, may have been willing to do something in his own strength, but Elisha was not. Hello? Remember, where was Elisha, the prophet of God? Where was Elisha during the famine? Sitting in his house. I'm not saying he was inactive. Please hear the difference. I know he was praying. I know he was seeking. But the Lord said, wait. Take a breath. Take courage and take a breath. Some of you need to take a breath today, amen? And just wait on the Lord. Can I tell you, waiting on the Lord goes way beyond this. Okay, God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I just had a picture of my mom and dad. 
I love my dad. I love my mom. They're both in glory, as you know. But my dad, that was my dad waiting on my mom. My mom would say, I'll be there in one minute. 20 minutes later, I'm coming. Right. Uh, just anyway, I'm sorry. That was just me. But that's the way we do the Lord, isn't it? The Lord said, I'm coming. Just wait a minute. And then someone remembers. A day is like a thousand years with the Lord. <laughs> How many of you know sometimes we've got to wait a little longer in our time, but God's coming through? He's coming through. Lord, we wait on you. That means we wait with hopeful expectation. We stand on your word, God. We know your word is true. Therefore, we will wait on you. 2 Kings chapter 7. I want to wrap this up. It says, Elisha replied, Hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A say of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two say as a barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Did you notice he didn't mention the donkey's head? I just like, forget the donkey's head. You're about to have so much flour that you can make this wonderful bread and all of this wonderful things. I mean, you're just get ready, and it's going to literally cost you pennies. What cost you a bag of gold before is now going to cost you pennies. The officer on whom the Lord, or excuse me, the officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen. You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over into the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. Now that is a statement of faith, saying we're going to die three times out of four, right? I mean, right there, what a group of faith-filled individuals. I'm being a little sarcastic there if you didn't know. But I want to focus on the officer for a second. He said, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? I wonder if he was saying, oh, let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven, but I kind of doubt you're going to do it. Let it rain. Hello? God, I'm not sure. This is a nice song, but probably not. Because it hasn't happened before, so why should I get my hopes up this time? But let it rain. Hello? I want to remind you, this was not a heathen king of a heathen nation. This was the king of Israel. And the officer is not named, but he was a Jewish man who knew the Torah who knew Scripture, who understood Moses, who understood the parting of the Red Sea. Come on. He understood these things, and yet he had bold doubt. I mean, come on. 
There's doubt and there's bold doubt. He stares in the face of the prophet. Remember, Elisha is, is the one who followed up who? Elijah. They had seen fire come down from the heavens and consume 800 of Baal's prophets. And he makes a reference to the floodgates of heaven, which opened up after that incident, by the way, on the mountain. It's almost as if he's saying, he did it for Elijah, but he won't do it for Elisha. He did it for that king, but he won't do it for me and this king. That's bold doubt. Anybody got bold doubt? <laughs> Anybody ever had bold doubt? Oh, I have. The leader was blind to what the Lord could do. He could not and would not see the miracle that was before him. And can I tell you, because he couldn't see it, he never saw it in his own life. Watch this. He saw it happen. That's later in the story. But he didn't get to participate in it. Lord, increase our ability to see through the eyes of faith rather than the glasses of fear. Can I tell you, he had every reason to believe. Why? Because there was nothing else. I mean, they had no further down to go. Isn't there an old saying about that? You know, the, as, when you hit rock bottom, is the time to finally look up? This guy couldn't even look up. He refused to. Lord, open our eyes. I, I want to... I'm only going to get to one. Oh, we'll have to come back later. I don't want to just talk about this guy. I want to talk about these lepers for a moment. These lepers were outcasts of society. Please understand this. The famine is happening inside the city. The enemy is outside in the enemy's camp just outside the city. The lepers are outside the city gate. Now, the enemy doesn't touch them because they don't want their disease either. So they're kind of in a safe zone. But really, are they? They don't even have access to the donkey's head at this point. So the lepers get to a place where they are desperate. The lepers had what I call a perhaps faith. They said, if we go back to the city, there's the famine, we'll die there. If we stay where we are, we're going to die right here. But if we march forward into the camp of the enemy, perhaps, just maybe, who knows, what have we got to lose? We might live or die. But either one, we, there's that sliver, tiny bit of a chance that we're going to live. They had a will to live. How do we know that? Because they said, what do we got to lose? Let's go for it. <laughs> they didn't know they were about to change the course of a nation. They didn't know about the prophecies of Elisha that were just inside the city gate just a few minutes before that. They didn't know that. They weren't privy to all that information. But what they knew is they, they knew they could not stay where they were. They could not go back and they must only move forward. That was their only hope. They had a possibility of more. Can I tell you today, we have the same choice. 
Here, pastor, today, we have the same choice. If we go back to our old ways and our old past and try to dwell there, can I tell you, you will die. Anybody ever tried to live in the past? Anybody ever tried to live in the good old days? It just doesn't work. You know, there's this group of people. I don't have a clue what they call them. Maybe they're your favorite people. But there's this group of ladies that I understand who literally live in the 50s today. Have you heard about them? Have you read about them? Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. They literally dress like women in the 50s. They have their aprons on all the time. They've got the big, you know, yellow dresses and all of that. Wasn't everything in black and white back then? I don't know. Anyway, so they've got all this. I mean, they've they've done their kitchens with the squares and they've got the old appliances and they are literally trying to live in the past. How many of you know it's impossible to live in the past and survive? (laughs) And yet we try and do it on a lot of bases and a lot of levels. Let's move on. So if we go to the past, we die. If we stay where we are, watch this. If we stay where we are and do nothing, we're going to die. Someone once said, if you don't believe in progress, maybe you should go back and talk to the dinosaur. Just think about that for a second. If we stay where we are, can I, can I tell you, I'm talking spiritually. I'm talking physically. I'm talking, we've been preaching on the whole person the last few weeks. But can I tell you, in every part of our lives, if we just say, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay in status quo. I'm not going to do anything different. Then can I tell you, in your spiritual walk, you will die you just choose to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again in my dictionary that's called insanity because i'm expecting different results but i'm getting none because i'm doing the same thing over and over and over again i'm like the hamster west on the wheel man i am going like crazy but i'm getting nowhere but look at your neighbor and say but but if But if we march forward into the enemy's camp, perhaps we'll live. Perhaps we'll live. You see, Jesus didn't say it took a mountain of faith to move a mountain. He said it only takes a mustard seed. He didn't say it took a mountain of faith. You see, these, these guys didn't have a mountain of faith. They had a sliver of hope. They had a sliver of what if. They had a sliver of perhaps. What if we do that? Jonathan said to his old armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And Jonathan won the war that day. Do you want to see change in your situation? Do you want to see change in your life? Do you want to see change in this community? Oh, do I dare say it? Do you want to see change in this church? Oh, let me say, do you want to see change in our nation? Then we've got to do more than just elect who we like. We've got to do something about it. We've got to go into our community. We've got to go into our neighborhoods. We've got to go into our families. And we've got to start effecting change through the word and the power of God. 
Oh, I hope you get this. We got to grab that mustard seed of faith and begin to believe. What have I got to lose? I believe that today I'm speaking. I know I know I am. I'm speaking on a generalized basis, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to you on a very intimate, individual basis. You understand that? Can you just close your eyes for a second? I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you just want to agree and just say, man, you can do that, or if you want to pray your own prayer, that's okay. But Holy Spirit... Would you come and speak to my heart, God? God, I want to change. I want to see change. I don't want to just continue to live the same way I've been living and do the same thing I'm doing and expect something to change. I don't, I don't want to live in my past and, and just glory in the things that were done in 2011 at Byron Nelson High School. I praise you for those things. But God, there's more students yet to be saved. There's more students yet to be touched by the power of God. God, there's more people to be reached in the name of Jesus. God, let me not rest on my, the successes of my past but God let me move forward into the things that you have called us to in Jesus name Holy Spirit Holy Spirit let us not dwell in the failures of our past let us not dwell in those failures where we said we thought we heard God and we even knew we heard God, but, but man, this happened and all hell broke loose and therefore I don't want to do it again. God, give us the faith of the four lepers who says, what if we marched into the enemy's camp and we not just live, but we thrive. God, do it. Can you open your eyes and look here? You need to understand, I didn't plan this. (laughs) I didn't didn't plan for Nick to come exactly on this day and me to preach this exact message and for Simon to sing that exact song, but yet, how many of you know the Holy Spirit did? You saw on the pictures, I don't know if you've got them there, Nate, but you saw on the pictures... Pictures of news teams. You remember that? CBS Channel 11 was there. Can I tell you why they were there? It was not because we were doing such a great thing for the students of Byron Nelson High School and Medlin Middle School and all the other students that we were reaching out to that that week. CBS News 11 was there because the atheist of America got wind of what we were doing and said, they're preaching the gospel to students. They didn't say that. They said, they're preaching religion to students during the daytime assemblies, and that is a separation of church and state. And I can say this now, I couldn't say it then. But what they didn't realize is they were messing with the wrong people. Because the principal of Byron Nelson High School at that time was a tongue-talking, spirit-filled, ag girl who would not let anything take her down. Hello? 
And she was like, uh-uh. And she told me, I can say this publicly now, I couldn't say it then, but she told me in private meetings, Ricky, you know where I stand. I'm, I, I stand completely with you. But you got to do certain things. There's certain things I still can't tell publicly. But you got to do this. You got to be that voice. You got to be that one out there because I got I to gotta be able to get up the next morning and continue to be a principal of this school. But I'm telling you, I'm behind you. And she did things that were completely legal, by the way, that stood by her own personal convictions. And yet, the atheist of America went to the school board the Monday before our seven project. I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. They went to the school board on Monday, brought a group of individuals and stood before the school board and said, you cannot let this happen. Praise God for a school board of the Northwest ISD that says, we see nothing. These, this, this team has been all over North Texas and there has not been one complaint. We don't see anything about this. We're going to let it move forward. Hallelujah. Man, isn't morality just a horrible thing to bring into the schools? Character, just such a horrible, horrible thing. I didn't, I, they didn't give me the chance, but I already had my speech prepared for the Atheist of America to say when you begin to bring character education into our schools, then I'll keep my mouth shut. But as long as you stop and you just, all you're doing is trying to take down the people who are trying to bring morality back into students' lives, you've got no ground to stand on. That's what I wanted to say, but I didn't get to. But they did put me and my face, I don't know how they got it, on their publication saying the, the, the Metroplex's most dangerous volunteer. I wear that prouder than a pastor at this point. I'm telling you, that's still one of my proudest moments of my life. If I'm the most dangerous volunteer in the Metroplex to schools, so be it. But you see, can I tell you, when we did the seven project, you think our church is small now. We were, a, we were like, I, call it, I lovingly called us at that time a micro church. I mean, micro. And we had a choice to make. Because there was a budget involved, there were things involved, there was a lot going on, and we had a choice to make. We said either we can look at the condition of the students of our schools. Now, let me tell you, you walk into Byron Nelson High School, it's beautiful, still is. $80 million campus, it's gorgeous. It's nicer than most colleges. But on the inside is what counts. And students were dying and going to hell at a great rate. All kinds of things happening. And we had a choice to make. We could just keep doing church, keep doing the same thing over and over. We could say, oh, well, when I was a youth pastor and I had 400 teenagers in my youth group and we were doing all that in Florida, that was enough, right? That was, that was what God wanted me to do. And I could have lived in the past victory. Or we said, no, we've got to move forward. In the face of criticism and the enemy. But can I tell you again, I don't want to rest even on this victory. It's time. I believe 2019 is a year of movement. It's a year when you're going to begin to move into the promises and the things of God because you're willing to get up and say, I'm not going to let my past keep me down. I'm not going to just stay seated down in my present. No, I'm going to move forward into the things of God that he's calling me into.
Would you stand with me? We have worshipped. We have prayed for one another. We have praised God. The word of God has been preached. One simple thing left. Your yes. Would you just close your eyes one more time? And if you're willing to say, God, whatever it takes in my life, in my family, in my church, in my community, in my workplace, in my campus, whatever it takes, God, I'm willing to step out on your word. Come on, people of God. We got something much greater than the four lepers had. We got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Holy Spirit, would you come? We say yes, Lord. Can you just do that? Not in your mind, not in your heart. Out loud, can you say yes, Lord? I say yes, Lord. To your will and to your way. I say yes, Lord. I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Now, God, I pray as we go out from this place that the anointing of God that is upon us will go with us into the highways and the byways, into the streets, into the campuses, into our homes and our community. God, we will follow you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. God bless you. Would you love on one another before you leave? Make sure you say hi to Nick and Maddie and let them know you're praying for them and the mission that God has put them on. Amen.